Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. KFI AM 640 handle here. Uh, we're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app and some of the big stories uh, that we are covering uh, a thousand New York Times journalists are on strike for 24 hours trying to reach a deal. <laughs> they have, well, they, I don't know if they're going to or not, but it's it's a big strike. And uh, then the uh, big story also, and we covered this yesterday or started to because during the first part of the show, it was announced that Brittany Griner was on an airplane on her way back to the United States. And you see video of her. Uh, she is uh, very, she gets on the airplane and crosses Victor Boot. He's coming off the airplane uh, with the Russians waiting for him. This is in the Emirates, by the way. It's not Russia. And then uh, Victor Boot goes to the Russians. She goes onto the airplane and off. Uh, she goes with, uh, I'm assuming, FBI agents or State Department uh, in, uh, officials on her way to the United States. And they had the video of her in the seat. Uh, very subdued, smiling, uh, not uh, in any way showing a lot of emotion other than quiet happiness. So I brought in Wayne uh, to talk about sort of the politics of this because there are a lot of levels of this thing, a lot of side stories. So first and foremost, why Griner and not Paul Whelan when originally we had heard that it's going to be two for one? Victor Boot for both Whelan and uh, Griner, and it looks like Putin just made the decision himself. Yes, he did. And here's the thing. In, in a minute or whenever you're ready, I, we can bring up another American who's being held over there that is perhaps a better comparison to Brittany Griner. The problem with Paul Whelan is, compared to Brittany Griner, is it's completely apples and oranges. Whelan is in there for suspected uh, espionage against Russia. May or may not be true. Most people think it's not true. But number two, this is Russia's fault, not our fault, that we can't get Whelan out. Putin wants a Russian spy in exchange for Paul Whelan. He's an American spy in his view. We want a Russian spy. 
We don't have any. Or if we have any Russian spies, we're saying we, we don't, don't have, have any. Now, we literally cannot give him the only thing that will get him to release Paul Whelan. So I don't know what you do about that if you're President <laughs> Trump, President Biden, whoever the next president might be. I don't know what you do if you can't get Russia to get off of that sticking point. All right, two things about that that I want to respond to, and we have to discuss this, certainly, is you're absolutely right about the charges. And uh, the argument is Russia takes spying far more seriously than it would take a vape of a tiny bit of uh, cannabis. Not only geopolitically, but just the perceived harm to the country itself. Uh, Griner does not harm Russia when she's caught. It's a law there. She's admitted it. No one disputes it. Uh, so that's an easy one to deal with separately from the spy issue. There are other Americans being held in Russia. I don't know of any Russians uh, that are being held in the United States. Uh, maybe there are. And if so, it, they're a very minor part of uh, the story. So now comes the question is we know that she was a political pawn. Uh, there's very little issue about that. Matter of fact, we talked about it. The f the second she was arrested, what was the first words that came out of our mouths? Political pawn. We know she's going to be used as a political pawn, and in fact, uh, she was. And so we have that to discuss. We're going to take a break uh, in just a minute. And also, um, I want to talk about... Uh, there's the backlash, not much, but a little bit of backlash oh, here. Oh, you're saying I, there's I, a lot. I, Maybe I, it's growing. From a certain segment of this country, there is furious backlash. All right, well, yeah, it's just a question of perception, but I'll give it to you. There is some furious backlash from a small segment or a uh, little backlash from a large section, but we're still talking backlash. And that is, wait a minute. We let go of this merchant of death who is a bad, bad guy who was convicted of conspiracy to kill Americans, not just to sell arms. I mean, way beyond that. And we exchange it for uh, a well-known basketball star who certainly deserved to be let go. But come on, guys, you know, at what point do we just do apples and apples as opposed to not just apples and oranges? We're talking about apples and aardvarks. They couldn't be more different. This was a bad deal. We gave up a real bad guy for a, and now we're going to take it to the extreme, and not everybody thinks this, but a lesbian, a basketball player, an African-American. What the hell are we doing as Americans? Now, uh, that's the extreme, I'll grant you. However, more mainstream among those that are upset is it was just a bad deal. We gave up an American who did virtually nothing wrong for a guy who deserves to be in jail for the rest of his life. So, uh, Wayne, your thoughts and uh, what uh, you're reading and thinking about. Well, I think here's the deal. If you're talking about prisoner exchanges with Russia, and this would be true of a lot of other countries, too, there are only bad deals. 
there is no good deal that can be made because if you're talking about good or bad, meaning, meaning, um, meaning basically equal. Yeah. Clear. And we've done that before on the deal. during because the cold war. We did that where we had spies at about the same level as the other spies. And we exchanged this one is not the case because we, because now it's completely asymmetrical. We, the United States, we do not lock up foreign nationals for double digit prison terms for having a little bit of weed. We don't do that. So we don't, the only people that we have are people who've done serious things. Now I know some people are saying we lock up our own people for long periods of time for stuff. And that's true. And that's a separate argument in terms of having foreign nationals here with which to bargain. We only have bad people. And they have people who have done very little. She's not the only person who got a massive prison term for a little bit of cannabis. So there, there are no good deals that can be made. So if you want, if you want equivalency, you're going to have to wait until an American somehow is over there doing the kind of stuff that Victor Boot was doing. Which we don't have. Victor Boot is an outlier. I mean, if you had read what he did when I when I was looking at the list of what he sold, bought and sold millions of rounds of ammunition, surface to air missile, tons of C4 explosives uh, that's used military grade explosives where you need just a little tiny bit and you're blowing up buildings, tons of this stuff. And so that level, as I said this morning, uh, it, it stuns me that this is not on a governmental level, like North Korea selling this to uh, Iran, for example. Uh, and it's on that level. So uh, you're not going to find many people like that in the world at all. Hey, I have a question, and I don't know if, uh, the answer. Uh, have they, number one, caught any American coming in with that small uh, amount of uh, cannabis? I'm talking about in a vape pen, a little bit of oil. Uh, have they caught Americans doing that? And what was the punishment? Well, you're now bringing up the the name, the name that now is being said. Why is Griner out and Mark Fogel is still there? Mark Fogel worked at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow, and he was caught with about half an ounce of marijuana that he said he used for his back pain. And he got 14 years and he's still serving that 14 years. And when Brittany Griner was sentenced, our country officially gave a designation that she is uh, uh, unlawfully detained. Wrongfully, I get the word is wrongfully, wrongfully detained. That's an official designation that we give. We have never done that for Mark Fogel. We haven't said he's wrongfully detained, even though. You have to try to decide what's the difference. An American in Russia, not a lot of pot, kind of a normal amount of pot, big, long prison term. She's wrongfully detained. Do we take it that the administration and the administration before feel that Mark Fogel is properly detained? Uh, or uh, there isn't the kind of pressure that has been put on the administration, been put on 
uh, anybody who could possibly be involved in negotiations. Sometimes they're back-channel negotiations where they go to individuals who have connections, not even governmental people. There's a bunch of different ways that it's being done. But obviously, everybody everybody knows the name Brittany Griner. There is probably not an American unless they live under a rock someplace and don't have access to the Internet or any kind of communications. Everybody knows Brittany Griner. Vogel. How many people do you think know that name where well, i heard no, it for the first people, time that, ca- that case has not been on the radar right. it That's really exactly has never been on the radar and i think i think that the reason that britney griner got out that we made a deal is that are the same reasons that she was um selected by the russians to be treated this way it's the same reasons this is a high profile notable athlete olympian yeah, very two, representative two, two gold of, medals. You, of the U.S. And also, and this is what's causing all the angst in this country, uh, which I don't think is fair, but also as uh, a person of color and as a lesbian, in a Russian mind, she symbolizes a lot of things that are very American. The way that we, much more than in Russia, uh, uh, I'm using their terminology now, tolerate this kind of thing. And so that's why they slammed her in the first place because it was such a high profile thing. And I'll go this far and then I'll shut up. I think when they found that vape cartridge, because I don't think they planted it on her because she said they didn't. They went, this is how we get Victor Boot back. We found our unicorn, the American that we could treat this way and we will get Victor Boot back now because of all the things that she is. Now, I want to make one point, uh, and uh, this is a a guess as to what's going to happen, an educated guess. You are not going to hear uh, Brittany uh, Reiner uh, criticize the Russians. I think you're going to see, see, she's already said she was well-treated. She is, uh, on the airplane, she was very subdued. You haven't heard a statement all you heard from uh, uh, her wife is thank you to President uh, Biden. Nothing about how the Russians wrongfully detained her. And I think you're going to see, and she was well-liked from the reports. Uh, in prison, she was well-liked. Uh, everybody just likes her the way she just relates to people. And so I I think you're going to go not heavy-duty negotiations, just, hey, let her out, humanitarian uh, grounds to let out Paul Whelan. Uh, that's what I think is going to happen. It's my guess. It's my guess. No idea if it's true or not, but we'll see. I'm sure you're going to point out, point it out if it's not true, Wayne, because that's your job here. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, and, uh, uh, Mauna Loa, uh, the volcano that is erupting in Hawaii on the big island, is uh, a tourist attraction now. I mean, it's not going to cross the road. Uh, It doesn't look like any homes or structures are in danger. So it's just this one big, huge, basically a tourist attraction making new parts of the island. Now, I want to switch over to Disneyland. And where's the connection there? There is, or was at least, been a lot of years since I've been in Disneyland, an attraction, the Tiki Room. In the Tiki, 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 Tiki Room. And... It's an, it's an attraction where you walk in, you sit down, and all around you are flowers and birds and trees. 
uh, a lot of music. And what it is is uh, all of these creatures and plants, et cetera, are anthropomorphized. In other words, they become human. They talk. They sing. uh, There's gestures there. And so, wow, that's kind of neat. You know, some Disney engineer and Imagineer came up with that. And we're now going to create this uh, otherworldly view of, uh, in this case, the Pacific Pacific Islands. Uh, Probably Hawaii. I don't know if specifically Hawaii. Well, I got to tell you, they, they didn't make that up. There is huge significance to uh, animals and trees. Uh, they talk. And you know what else talks? Who else talks? Volcanoes. Volcanoes are a very big deal to Native Hawaiians. Far more than, ooh, take a look at that, and you have this gorgeous, I mean, beautiful, especially at night, uh, these eruptions with the lava flowing down. It's a spectacular sight. But for Native Hawaiians, uh, since the Earth's creation, volcanoes, the elements of volcanoes, earth, wind, fire, they talk. The Native Hawaiians believe that all of these uh, elements are have human-like rights. And goals. And uh, they have feelings. It is part of their religion. So when you see a, an explosion, when you see an eruption and a volcano, the magma, the lava flowing down the ma- mountainside, that is a deeply religious experience for Native Hawaiians and other uh, Pacific Islanders. And I mean, this goes across the world. There's evidence uh, that um, when the pilgrims arrived at a destination volcano, uh, there are, we're talking about the natives uh, in the Pacific Island, uh, there are uh, paintings and stone cairns and shrines, uh, stones that are put in there that have been painted. I mean, all dealing with the religious aspects of uh, these volcanoes. Uh, even you come to Arizona, even uh, the there are mid 11th century lava flows and uh, there are there's corn and painted pots on the edge of uh, what they call hornitos, uh, these structures produced by bubbling lava. And so volcanoes talk to us, we'll certainly talk to them, the native uh, Hawaiians. And it is a situation where uh, Mother Nature is upset. Mother Nature is telling us that uh, we're not living life, uh, we're not communicating the way we should. And the same thing they deal with uh, animals, uh, trees. You remember in the, in, in the tiki room, uh, as you enter it, you see what looks like uh, effectively a totem pole. And as you're walking in, the totem pole starts talking. I mean, the lips start moving and you realize that's just clever. Well, it's way beyond clever. That actually is the start of being introduced into a religious experience for Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders. Uh, It's a wild story when I pick this up. And I used to go to the Tiki Room. It's one of my favorite attractions at uh, Disneyland. 
Uh, it was, you sing, and the animal, and you don't know where the animals, the birds are coming from, and it's so cleverly done. And obviously, uh, it's done in the Disney fashion. I mean, they don't take it seriously. It's very light. It's clever. It's a lot of music. Uh, but at the same time, thinking through it, when you see that explosion, when you see video of Mauna Loa and these magnificent, beautiful uh, eruptions, particularly at night, and, these, and the silhouette of people against them, I mean, good God, that's gorgeous. Think of it as religious experience for Native Hawaiians going well beyond that. I thought that was kind of neat. A lot more to it. What's going to happen with the January 6th committee? Well, it's wrapping up, uh, clearly. And uh, this is the committee uh, that is chaired uh, by uh, Benny Thompson, who is a a Democrat and is uh, co-chaired by Liz Cheney, uh, who is a Republican. And she got smashed in the primary in Wyoming because she was one of the few Republicans to, and one actually, I think the only sitting Republican uh, who ran again, representative who voted to impeach the president. She's a co-chair of the committee and they've been investigating the January 6th insurrection. That's what this is about being called a uh, witch hunt, uh, of course, being nailed by the Republicans as uh, something that uh, just really didn't exist. There was no insurrection uh, as uh, one of the Congress people said, they were just the people that stormed the uh, uh, stormed the Capitol were tourists, and uh, we downplay the whole thing. It, it wasn't that serious, mainly because, of course, you know the issue of President uh, Trump, former President Trump. Uh, I believe instigating it. That's my take on it. But so be it. So what they're doing is uh, they've investigated, and at the end of this investigation, which is wrapping up right now, matter of fact, hearings may have wrapped up. They now have to decide, do they forward to the Department of Justice a criminal referral? Now, uh, it has no legal significance. Uh, It's merely a statement. It's symbolic. The Department of Justice makes up its own mind as to whether it's going to go forward with a a criminal uh, action, indictment, trial. I mean, that's the DOJ that does that. And uh, we know that four people, in fact, uh, have uh, and are going to be named, uh, whether I'm convinced of that. And the four are up to their eyeballs in this thing. Uh, One, you have the uh, White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, who was part and parcel as part of this group that wanted to overturn the election and tried. John Eastman, Uh, A famous right-wing lawyer who, I think he was at Chapman for a while as a professor, too, who concocted that crazy-ass scheme uh, that uh, President Trump could stay in power if Mike Pence refused to certify uh, and count the electoral uh, votes. If he doesn't do it, then the election is not certified and President Trump stays in power, I guess, till the next election? And if the vice president refuses to certify again, I guess it just keeps on going. I mean, it's it's wild. It's just, it's, it's crazy. It makes no sense. So uh, he is being certainly investigated and will probably, probably be referred. A Justice Department official, Jeffrey Clark, and uh, the original, uh, he's involved because uh, former President Trump wanted to weaponize the Department of Justice. Absolutely. Wanted to make it his own private Uh, law firm and uh, was uh, attempting to have Jeffrey Clark named as attorney general. And that went no place. That that just even Trump's own people said you can't go that way. And Rudy Giuliani, of course, who is his own guy, 
Rudy Giuliani being, um, I think, the most famous of all of them, certainly the most entertaining of all of them, and uh, completely out of his mind. Having come from one of the most respected figures in uh, the American justice system, uh, came from being the U.S. attorney in New York, Southern District of New York, which is probably the most famous district, and uh, he almost single-handedly wiped out the mafia. He came up with the RICO statutes, or at least used the RICO statutes, to take out the mafia. And then he became mayor of New York and given huge, wonderful notices. And then he drank the Kool-Aid. And there it is. Now, what is the committee going to do? And the big question is, do they then refer uh, former President Trump to the Justice Department and say criminality has occurred? And former President Trump's criminality, what is it? In uh, obstruction of Congress, try to overturn uh, a lawful election in the United States. Right out. Uh, it's all, he, he, The fact that he was president almost has nothing to do with it. Even though uh, the, the politics of it, of course, are enormous. Anybody who tries to overturn the business of Congress is guilty of obstruction of Congress. In it, that is, in its own way, a violation of law. You can't stop the government of the United States from doing business as the government of the United States. We have a constitution. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We follow that constitution. And what is ironic here is that President Trump and these four people, among many others, Sidney Powell, who's a lawyer who is also out of her mind, and the other people that tried to, and the legislature in Georgia, I mean, you can just keep on going and going, uh, who said the election was not lawful, it was rigged, and in fact, that President uh, Biden being sworn in uh, as the president, that was a violation of the Constitution. I mean, it's so insane. Yes, we believe in the Constitution, they said, and certainly all of uh, the the insurrectionists at the Capitol, and we're talking about thousands, also the ones at the rally, tens of thousands, you ask them and ask them about the Constitution. Do you believe in the Constitution? Yes, we believe in the Constitution of the United States. Do you believe that Biden's election violated the Constitution? Yes, we believe that vi- that it violated the Constitution. Do you think that um, holding the election invalid and overturning the, uh, the, quote, fraudulent election, that's constitutional where anything else is not? Absolutely. I mean, can you imagine the irony of this? So now a word or two about the politics. These four that I'm talking about I think, will be referred. They're going to declare criminality happened. There's no issue. Now you have a former president who has announced he is running again. And 
Uh, if he wants the nomination, which he does, he's going to be the nominee. I'll tell you that right now. No money can come close to him. Keep in mind that former President Trump has 30 to 40 percent of the Republican base. You think anybody else has it? Not even close. He's starting with 30 percent on his side. Everybody else is in single digits, 2 percent, 5 percent. So he has it. And then the issue is what happens during the general. I heard a, uh, an analysis a couple of days ago, which I thought was brilliant. If it's one-on-one, he may lose the uh, nomination because you have the Republicans going, come on, you know what? This guy is, uh, I, he's toxic, uh, as Mitt Romney said. I mean, this guy is killing the Republican Party. But if he's up against five others, remember he started against 13. If he's up against five people that are running for the nomination, he's got it. He absolutely has it. So we are going to see what the um, January 6th committee is going to do. And it's going to happen, uh, I think they said it's going to happen by next week at the latest. Hmm. I think we'll be watching that one, don't you think? Moving over to a a topic that uh, I looked at, and it's a big deal for all of us. And if you uh, talk to the people that run um, hotlines, uh, medical hotlines, over the last two decades, cannabis cases have flooded these hotlines. According to the U.S. Poison Control, uh, the centers that they run, and these are uh, centers, nonprofits, uh, staffed by uh, health professionals, psychiatrists, lay people. A new study just came out in clinical toxicology. It came out just a couple of days ago. And it looked at records of uh, about 340,000 poison control cases. And uh, the number of calls involving cannabis went up 245% among 6 to 18-year-olds between 2000 and 220. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's enough for people to start looking at this. And 80% of those uh, were for adolescents, 13 to 18 years old. Now, um, It's like physicians who work with kids who ingest a fair amount of cannabis say there can be some serious stuff there. Uh, Episodes of psychosis uh, is uh, common among those that uh, need uh, help. And then you have uh, trouble concentrating, memory problems, uh, mood problems, school problems, social problems. I mean, we know that. And now you have uh, scientists You have physicians, you have uh, mental health organizations, you have governmental health organizations, departments of public health, taking a real hard look at cannabis and the increase. And there are some reasons that it increased. It's not just all of a sudden, uh, let's all get high. Uh, Cannabis rose, uh, the cases of cannabis, we're talking about medical cases, went up uh, 25%. Between 2010 and 2017, jumped 40% from 2017 and 2020. So what and why? Well, there are some pretty good reasons. Uh, One, the legalization of uh, marijuana. It's just legalized where it used to be furtive, where it used to be you, you, you hit it. Uh, and, uh, at my place, my house, you know, everybody, uh, uses cannabis. I use it for sleeping. Uh, the kids use it. Uh, it's just something that they do. I'd rather have them do that than, uh, uh, than, uh, them smoking, for example. 
Now, I don't get high on it. I, I take the very little THC, mainly uh, uh, CBD stuff to sleep. So I, I like control of my, can you imagine that, that I like control. Uh, but people just get high. They enjoy getting high. It's like getting a little buzzy. The other thing is, uh, so you have it being legalized and it's just there more. And also uh, look at the forms that it's in. It's in vapes, uh, edibles. Uh, the gummies, and there's all kinds of stories we do. Uh, was it a couple days ago? There, the elementary school in which six kids overdosed, and then a week before that, there was a, a junior high in which a bunch of kids overdosed, and the ambulance came and took all the kids away, and they tried to figure out, is it poison? What happened? Okay, it turned out to be uh, some kid bringing a bunch of gummies and uh, sharing them, uh, and those are just available. Uh, those are just easy for kids to get to. And remember, it's legal. And parents tend to be a little sloppy sometimes, even though those little packages are impossible to open. Marijuana is a lot safer than uh, opiates, for example, or cocaine, uh, but it's not 100% safe. You know, they're saying, hey, the doctor's saying, hang on a minute. It can even put kids in the hospital when you do some serious overdosing. And because the way edibles work, It can take hours for them to kick in. Now, when I was a kid and uh, the the way I dealt with marijuana, and we all did, we'd roll joints and then smoke it and uh, get high, although getting high in those days was far, far different than getting high now. When I was in junior high, for example, oh, I used to walk through the snow. No, it wasn't too long ago when uh, we used to buy uh, marijuana in the uh, one ounce at a time in the bottom of a baggie. Right, a sandwich size baggie that, you know, about two inches of it uh, that had all these buds in it. And it was $10. You know, today, what are you going to spend? Although t- it's so much more powerful today, I mean, two puffs just can take you out. So it is a different world. And the edibles have uh, changed everything. So uh, what are the experts saying? Because it can be dangerous. And as usual, it's just talk to your kids. Just sit down and have a uh, just have conversations. Let them know the risks, uh, and just talk it through. And that seems to be the way it works. I remember my kids first attempted uh, marijuana, and they said, "Gee, Dad, you know we want to try it. What do you think?" Because they're pretty good about that. And uh, I was I sat down and said, uh, "Hey, listen." You know what? It's it's legal. Uh, I mean, you, you know, I don't like you getting high. Uh, if I see any cannabis in this house, I'm going to slap you upside the head so fast you think you'll think you're in the movie The Exorcist as your head spins around. But other than that, you go right ahead and uh, enjoy your cannabis. I mean, what are you going to do? You have to talk. You have to say, hey, here are the risks. Here are what's going on. Uh, The fear is kids getting addicted. Now, not addicted like heroin addicted or addicted like opiate addicted. That's not going to happen with marijuana. But, you know, there are plenty of people that I know that you know uh, that smoke it every single day, that vape it every day. It's just part of their lives. Uh, There's a friend of mine who uh, has a son that works for him or did. And uh, this kid was better off uh, working better off high than not. 
and uh, had a medical marijuana card. Then it became legal. And, uh, you know, some people live that way. It's part of our lives. But you have to look at it. You know, it's not this benign uh, G. It's not Diet Coke. Or maybe Diet Coke is more dangerous. Going back to the 70s, I don't know if you remember this, uh, but there was, when they remember they opened the Alaskan oil fields and the federal government uh, owned the land. It was mainly federal land and it leased the land to the big oil companies. And this was where the Alaskan pipeline came down. Remember the Exxon Valdez, all of that had to do with Alaskan oil. But what uh, happened is the government leased the land for the oil companies to pump oil out of there. They discovered this unbelievably huge amount of oil. I think it was the biggest uh, oil field in the United States ever. And so uh, the government uh, opened up leases. They got almost a billion dollars from the major oil companies. Now, a billion dollars in the 70s was, that was some serious money. To the point, in those days it was checks. Uh, So uh, what ended up happening is checks were written and they actually had planes with the engines running Uh, And the checks were delivered uh, to the airplanes that immediately took off, went to the banks uh, in New York to deposit the money. Because when you're talking about a billion dollars, even half a day or a day's uh, interest uh, is astronomical. So it was a a big deal. Well, let me tell you what just happened with oil, with not uh, oil leases, but uh, leases of uh, federal, not land, but federal water. Uh, off the coast of Morro Bay in Humboldt County, about 20 miles off the coast. And the federal government owns uh, the, the water and the land, mineral rights, everything out there, uh, because uh, that becomes territorial waters. It used to be three miles, then it became 12 miles, and now I think it's 200 miles that countries agree belong to uh, the countries themselves, the territorial waters. So uh, it's all owned by the federal government. And uh, this is uh, these the sale of these leases were for the purposes of building wind farms in deep ocean waters. We've reached that point. Building these massive floating wind farms. It was the first ever auction to build these off the coast. Uh, it netted $750 million. Now, Compared to a billion dollars, what, how many years ago? In the 70s, this is relatively small potatoes. Compared to what happened off the New York and New Jersey shore, where uh, the amount of money that was paid for that, $4.37 billion for those leases, big difference. By the way, the $4.37 billion was the most money ever paid for uh, offshore leases, including oil and gas. The money goes directly into the U.S. Treasury, the general fund, which is then used to pay down our national debt. Uh, No, we're not using it to pay off our national debt. God forbid. And so this is all about uh, wind power. Now, the reason that it's less here than there is because it's just easier to... Uh, use wind power on the East Coast. There's infrastructure there already. The waters aren't as deep. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, the wind turbines, and they're huge. I mean, the blades are as big as a football field. I mean, we're talking big stuff. Those are attached directly to the ocean floor. These in California are going to be attached by cables to uh, to the ocean floor and then float. 
They're going to be floating platforms, massive floating platforms. So we're going to we're going to get it right now, aren't we? Uh, five, six years it's going to take. Also, California has environmental regulations that no other state does. We got the Coastal Commission. We have I don't know how many agencies involved. So technology has to uh, be dealt with. And certainly the regulating process has to be dealt with. But boy, we're on our first step. It used to be just a few years ago that was science fiction, wind power, solar power. And uh, it was first those crappy little wind turbines, and then it became the real big ones. Uh, And now we're talking about ones that are off the ocean where there's serious wind. Uh, The blades as big as football fields. Wow. I'm impressed with that. All right, holiday gift giving. Uh, Always an issue of what you give, particularly teachers. You know, the apple on the desk of the teacher. I I never gave uh, gifts to teachers. For some reason, teachers were off the table. I think in the fifth grade, we uh, collected, uh, or one of the students collected, uh, I think a quarter from every one of us, and we bought our fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Simon, a little tiny music box. For some reason, uh, that resonates, only because that was the only gift I ever gave a teacher or was part of. The rest of the time, not so much, but... Service workers, maybe because I just don't have teachers these days, and for some reason I didn't give my kids teachers gifts. It just slipped my mind. Uh, or it wasn't part and parcel of what we do. But everybody else, postal workers, uh, the gardeners, uh, anybody who's in the service business I should get a holiday gift. So what kind of a holiday gift do we give? And I'm going to tell you there is one. One gift. One gift only, the rest of it is crap. And believe me, you bring a homemade uh, something to uh, whoever you're giving it to, some kind of craft, that is crap. No one wants it. It takes up space. Nobody cares. You can sit there and go, this is sentimental, and this shows you how much I care. And no one gives a rats about that. None. So what do you give? What is the one thing that everybody uh, appreciates more than anything? Money. That's correct. It is the most thoughtless, easy, uh, relatively cheap, except for the cost. It is just the... Well, it's it's a default. Eh, here, it's just you just write a check or you get a gift card. You can get those on there. I mean, it's uh, people think that it's... Uh, come on. I mean, how lazy are you going to be? It's the best gift you can give. Everybody appreciates money. Go to a lawyer. Hire a lawyer and offer a side of bacon. And think you're in the middle of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. And see what you're going to get. See what Atticus is going to say to you. I'd like to get paid real money. People do. So, uh, holiday gift-giving season, we're right on top of it. Teachers, uh, and I told you about teachers, essential service workers, like personal trainers. You know, I'm seeing my personal trainer today. And uh, last week, uh, I was talking about who you give money to. And she actually said, so do I get one? I said, no, you don't. And then the guilt came in, you know, the Jewish guilt hits 
So what did I do? I'm giving her a card. And guess what I'm giving her? I'm giving her a check because she shamed me into it. Because actually, I, I, because I read this article, to be honest with you. Uh, so this is out of Vox.com. And it's entitled, What Your Kid's Teacher Really Wants for the Holidays. So who do you give it to? All right. Uh, teachers, essential service workers, personal trainers. Mine gets one today. Building supers. I guess this came out of New York, whoever wrote this article. Who the hell has a building super in Southern California? Hairstylists, sanitation workers? Although we really don't know who they are uh, because just the truck comes by and they're in the, uh, you know, they're in the cab. So uh, those days are sort of gone. Delivery people, but which ones? The uh, people that deliver uh, your uh, DoorDash uh, deliver. I'd be broke. Uh, yeah, Instacart. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, you would. You, you have no idea who those people are. Uh, the well, uh, at, at my place, uh, we can certainly deliver every single person that delivers for Domino's Pizza. Because... <laughs> hey, George, how are you? Hey, Bill, how are you? You've invited them over for the holiday. I know it's real. It's it really is uh, to that at that point. But our mailman's been with us for twenty years, and uh, the guys down at the gate. Uh, the, uh, yeah, you know, you, you give them a little something. Babysitters, uh, house cleaners. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I do that. Dog walkers, don't have a dog walker, but I can certainly see that. Landscapers, the gardener, I said that already. Is that what uh, another name is for gardeners, landscapers? You know, some people have both. And it's it's somebody that will come and do sort of the like the mow and blow weekly thing, but then they'll have somebody who comes once once a month and does the like pruning of the trees and the roses. Wait, is it, is it the same? Wait, isn't that the same person no, that does that? No, it's two different people usually. Huh. Well, let me tell you how dumb I am. Not only do I give the gardeners, don't have a landscaper, the gardeners uh, a, a tip. Uh, I give them a holiday tip. Uh, but also, I still pay them the same money that I've been paying them for mowing the lawn. You know what I don't have? Is a lawn. Yeah, don't you have turf? Yes. Hmm. Yes, and I'm still paying the same money for mowing the lawn. Are they just refreshing the spray paint? Uh, No, no. You don't even refresh the spray, spray paint. You they just spray it down for you, you with just water? Don't, you just, no, you just don't <laughs> mow the lawn. So they supervise it then. Yeah, uh, they look at the lawn. Yeah, they look at the lawn not growing. That's what they do. And they get paid for that. Let me tell you how bright I am with that. All right, hairstylists or barbers. Hmm. Well, uh, does anybody have a regular barber? I can't keep one for the life of me. Yeah, I go to supercuts. I used to go to supercuts when I had a little bit of hair. Now uh, I just shave it all off. Neil Saavedra. Hey, he you did. should have your gardeners take care of your hair. You know, that's a hey. good point. They can mow my hair. Good that's idea. a very good point. Uh, all right, fair enough. Uh, door attendants. All right, who has a door attendant? I don't even know what a door attendant is. You know, Again, that's certain, an East Coast. Yeah. Oh, I think, yeah. There's I mean. certain things that I just don't understand. Uh, washroom attendants. Uh, you ever? Doesn't that drive you nuts? I mean, you literally you pay a buck to pee. <laughs> Only if they give me a mint. I know. That's very funny. They do. Uh, it's a pee a buck or a buck a pee. 
uh, to go in. You go, wait, wait a minute. And they always have that little basket, which they'll put in their own money. And there's always a $5 bill in there, hoping you put $5 in there. Well, you, you got to prime the pump. Yeah, well, you know that nobody in their right mind is going to pay $5 to take a leak. And unless it, they're drunk. No, yeah, unless they're drunk. It's or not really like rich. they, you know, it's not yeah. like they unzip you and help you out. I don't <laughs> want to go beyond that, but it's uh, it's it's crazy. Oh, you know what they do? This is I, I love this. All right, so you're done peeing, you're done, every you know, thing is done, and then you walk over to the uh you walk over to the sink, they turn on the water for you. And what do you do? Yeah, and then they give you the little towel. And then you reach in your pocket and you take out, you know. Pocket lint. Yeah, well, yeah, basically you take out pocket lint and uh, you go, hey, buddy, uh, do you have change for a quarter? Do you have nickels? I mean, what else can you do? (laughs) They may not like it, but, you know. So anyway, the bottom line here is it's all about money. It's all about money. That is the, it's the easiest. It is by far the most appreciated, even if you think that's a thoughtless gift, it is the most thoughtful gift. Holiday gift giving, it's easy. Not the ridiculous stuff like, oh, uh, a Diet Coke pillow. What are you going to do with the, oh, oh, I'm sorry, right, yeah. You liked that. I did, I actually did. Uh, It it was actually, it's one of the few gifts. Most of the time when I get hard gifts, real gifts, I go, yeah, that's great. I love it, I love it, I love it. This, I really loved. I did. KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.